Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good afternoon, I'm Eric Von Hessler, in for Eric Erickson. I do a show called the Von Hessler Doctrine every Sunday from noon to three, right here on this very radio station. Some people are saying it's the greatest radio show in the history of radio. I would never say such a thing, but I'm just passing it along as a reporter. Now on that show we have uh, lots of people, but I just bring in my... My trusty producer, Jared Yamamoto, is with me today. What's going on, Eric? And uh, we'll get to you and headlines and stories. First, I want to apologize right off the top if I happen to sound a little bit like a drunken, lispy old dude, because uh, I broke a crown in my, in my tooth. I popped off and ran out to the pharmacy. Jared drove me there. And got a repair kit. So as if I'm doing radio from a third world nation, I was doing my own dentistry uh, before we came on the air, and we'll just barrel on through. I'm not drunk. I just broke a crown. Jared Yamamoto. I was say, this is a good story. Let's, let's, let's keep it going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't been drinking all day. I broke a crown. <laughs> right, of course. This is what we want management to believe anyway. Right. Jared Yamamoto, my trusty sidekick. Give me some headlines, something to work with here. The Trump transition continues, Eric. Uh, he's expected to nominate two new members. Uh, one is Oklahoma Attorney General Scott Pruitt, who will lead the EPA. And uh, retired Marine General John Kelly, who will run the Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, a lot of generals, right? Isn't this yeah. The third, the third general. we got General Flynn, uh, the NSA, right? That's correct. Uh, general Maddox, Secretary of Defense. Correct. And now General and General John Kelly, Department of Homeland Security. These are good moves. Well, I don't know. Some people get worried about generals because they, and I think you got to do some little fancy footwork to get some of these generals in because it's supposed to be out, retired five years. And although in the past we have done it, we've uh, had a waiver from Congress to allow generals to sit in the cabinet when it's been less than five years. So this can be done, and it will be done. And I know there are people who are a little bit worried that uh, too many generals equals let's wake up every day and go to war. Now, here's the thing about generals. If this, this could be good, because if you think about government bureaucracies, the best-run government bureaucracy is the military in full. So generals in the military, actually, out of all the people that have to run departments in the federal government, their feet are actually held to the fire. You know, if you're running HUD or uh, the, the education department and you get nothing done for 50 years or 30 years or 20 years, eh, people might gripe about it. But when it comes to the military, you actually have to succeed. You have to win the battle. You have to win the war. Your feet are actually held to the fire. So as it comes to people in federal government who actually know how to run a department that is expected to succeed at all times, I think if we can get these generals to take off the uniform, put on a suit and tie, and not only bring their battle experience in with them, but also bring their experience as far as running large organizations and doing it efficiently, I think the generals could be a good idea. 
This guy from the EPA, the new guy today, what's his name? Yeah, this is uh, Scott Pruitt. So he's the current Oklahoma Attorney General. And I see here that it says uh, immediately environmental groups quickly denounce the choice. Oh, what a surprise. Of course they don't. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's check the traffic with Doug Turnbull. Hey, you just found us a new trouble. It's the airborne advantage, Eric. Some of these people are losing their minds, you know, because uh, Ben Carson is uh, going to be nominated for HUD, Housing and Urban Development. And I read all kinds of stuff about how no one is more uniquely unqualified than Ben Carson to go in and run this. What does that mean? What has HUD done? When's the last time anybody listening to my voice thought, oh, that HUD, it's just a money-sucking, it does nothing. Housing and urban development. Because, you know, if you want to fix the inner cities, the place to start would be Washington, D.C. The place to start, the way to fix the inner cities all across the country would be to do it from the federal government, right? That's the way... It's a brilliant move, putting someone like Ben Carson in there. Because he's actually going to go in there and say, hey, this is your charter. This is what you're supposed to do. This is You're supposed to be making life better in the inner cities. Except he'd be a little calmer than you. Well, yeah, he's not. He's a very, very relaxed dude. Very relaxed dude. Doesn't drink the amount of coffee that I drink. And you know what? When you're a brain surgeon, you should be a relaxed dude. <laughs> I don't want a guy fiddling around up there who's jittery, who's got the <laughs> coffee jitters. So that's fine. And he could do it in his own style. But what I think some of these, if, if this stuff works out, this guy who's been named for the EPA, he's sued the EPA a bunch of times as an attorney general. He's skeptical of what they're doing. It'll work out if they walk in there and just all Ben Carson should do is gather everyone around and, fi- and basically say the job of this department is to make life better in the inner cities. That's the only thing we're going to be, that's what we're going to compare ourselves against. Are we doing that? Because, you know, people think that these departments have been around since the beginning of the Republic. They haven't. Uh, the EPA has only been around since 1970. The Department of Homeland Security was made well, under George W. Yeah, Bush. I mean, that was recent, that's, too. That's brand new. HUD, I believe, 65, somewhere in there. The uh, the poverty programs from Johnson. I, do people, let's look back at 1965. Let's say, okay, we got trouble in the inner cities, so we're going to create this new department. Is there anybody listening to me who believes that since 1965 and the creation of HUD that things have gotten better in the inner city. They've only gotten worse. Department of Education, late 70s. Is there anybody who believes that since the Department of Education came along, education has gotten better in the United States of America? These things are very hard to kill because they sound like things you need. But you don't really need them. There's no need for the Department of Education. They do nothing. They do nothing. The Education Secretary. No need whatsoever. Yeah, the new test scores we got out today. Oh, yeah. Not what, what looking we, good. Yeah, right we have now. new test scores where we're, we're, we're worse than ever, right? That's right. Yeah, this is the. Uh, the well, maybe we, should tr- maybe we should create a new department. Probably. So that way we could teach the test. I got news for you Department of Homeland Security. Not necessary. You already had a CIA, you already had an FBI. You already had NIS. You had all of these things already. We found out in 9-11 they weren't communicating with one another. So what did we do? We created a whole new department so it could get its own bureaucrats who wouldn't compete with the others. If we'd learned our lessons, after 9-11, we would have figured out a way to get the CIA and the FBI and the other intelligence agencies to all speak to each other and share information for the greater good. 
instead of creating an entire department. Yeah, Department of Education has gotten nothing but better since the late 70s. You've got to be kidding me. I hope a lot of these departments get killed by these people going in. So I'm all for it. More in a couple of minutes. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. You know what? You ought to download that WSB radio app for a lot of reasons. But here's another one. I'm all over it. There's me, me, and more me. Get that WSB radio app. And you can listen to the station anywhere. It's a good download. Don't be silly. Get it. All right, so we're talking about these nominations. Of course, anybody that Trump is nominating for anything is vociferously opposed by some group or another. What, what do they expect? I don't. Here's my thing. Let's start asking ourselves whether we need these departments. Department of Education. I already told you. You tell most people, they think the founding fathers put it in place. It's been there. It actually started uh, on May 4th. 1980, that's when Department of Education started. Is there anybody who believes that the education, the high schools, the middle schools, the elementary schools, any schools have gotten better and better and better since May 4th, 1980, or has it gone exactly the other way? Also, hold on. It is by far, this is cut out of Wikipedia. It is by far, it says here, the smallest cabinet-level department with about 5,000 employees. That is, by far, according to Wikipedia, the smallest department of these departments, cabinet level, 5,000 employees with an annual budget of $73 billion. So think of that. Today, 5,000 people woke up with $73 billion at their disposal with the job of making education better in this country. At the end of the day here at 526 on WSB, do you think education got a little better or a little worse? Get rid of these damn things. Just get rid of them. They're not necessary. Well, clearly you're not believing in their mission statement. Then, What is their mission statement? Our mission is to promote student achievement and preparation for global competitiveness by fostering educational excellence and ensuring equal access, Eric. Well, here's the deal. I know that you have new... Uh, there's a story that tells us how we're doing in the world today in education. Here's oh, yeah. Numbers. Okay, so in math, this is the... Uh, what is this test called? This is the Program for International Student Assessment, or PISA, blah, blah, blah. which uh, tests 15-year-old students in 72 countries uh, throughout the world. Where do we stand? We rank 40th in the world in math. Thank God for the Department of Education. 20, Otherwise, we'd be at, we'd be 41st or worse. 25th in science. Oh, and, my goodness, yeah. In America, where, where the iPhone was invented. And 24th in reading and literacy. So yeah. we're doing really, really well, Eric. Imagine if we didn't have those 5,000 people and their $73 billion a year. Imagine if they weren't on the job. How bad this would be. <laughs> it is time. I hope that to a certain degree that Trump's idea here is to put people in there who will say, look, either we're going to meet that charter, we're going to do that, or we're just going to get rid of this thing. There's 70. Everybody talks about waste in government. Hey, I, I just found $73 billion a year <laughs> right here. 5,000 people you don't have to pay. Not only do you not have to pay them today, there's no pensions, there's no all of this. That's what kills me after 9-11. Our response was to start a new department. Hey, and make let them unionize. Let's have pensions. Let's be on the hook for the next 70 years. Because the FBI and the CIA and the NSA weren't enough. We're addicted to creating departments to solve problems that only get worse. I've got an idea. Let's get out of that business. No more new departments. 
and let's start getting rid of old departments. Well, clearly you don't believe in fostering educational excellence, Eric Von Hessler. I clearly would wonder how much fostering of educational excellence would happen if we didn't have those 5,000 people and their $73 billion a year like we have now. My goodness, things would really be bad, right? (laughs) All right, we're going to talk about man of the year, person of the year. Yeah, please be, be correct there. Politically correct. When we return. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. Jared Yamamoto is here with me. And admittedly, I may be on a bit of an excedrin migraine high here, but I cannot get over just how useless we're finding out these cabinet-level federal departments actually are. So who is uh, who is Trump nominated for Department of Education? He has nominated uh, billionaire Betsy DeVos. And she's known for being a big advocate of charter schools and things like that. Yes, she is. Again, let's go over this. Uh, <laughs> Department of Education. Been around since 1980. Yeah, we all know that schools have just gotten better and better and better since 1980 in this country. There's, there's going to be no doubting about that. And again, reading from Wikipedia, the smallest cabinet-level department by far with about 5,000 employees and an annual budget of $73 billion. And Buford gave me this idea, and I'm stealing it from him. If you gave me $73 billion, I guarantee you I would be more effective at making education <laughs> better in this country. I don't know how much I would do, but I couldn't do worse. And if you gave me $73 billion, first of all, I'd take 10 off the top and put it in like some kind of Swiss bank account, because that's way a lot less graft than you're getting right now. And I will des- I'll take the other $63 billion left and do a much better job, and you'll want to give me the $10 billion to go have fun with, because I actually, with the $63 billion, will do something. Imagine 5,000 people with a $73 billion annual budget. Wake up every day to make your education system better. And boy, does it happen. Now, you were saying we're 40th in math in the world. 40th in math, 25th in science, and 24th in reading and literacy. And who's first in in all this? Singapore, right? All three categories. Singapore is first, but not uh, not far behind them is uh, China and Japan, Korea, Canada, Switzerland, and Australia. You don't have to give me the whole list here. Well, those are the top ten, though, right there. so I'm looking, I'm using a lot of Wikipedia today, and, and on these kind of articles, they're usually pretty good, but when you get into personalities, you don't know what you're getting, but this is on uh, Singapore education. Education policies. Number one, meritocracy. The exact opposite of the American priorities. In, uh, in, in, I'm reading about what they do in Singapore, and basically they do kind of what we would call teaching to the test. It's all about objective information, data, how well you retain it, how well you understand it. And in Singapore, no matter what your background is, if you get good grades, you are seen as someone who needs to be encouraged and moved forward, no matter if your family's poor or rich or whatever meritocracy and it doesn't say it here but i'm guessing if you have a meritocracy that gets you to number one to everything in the world you've got a meritocracy amongst teachers and in this country we have a teachers union and i would love to get one of these people on uh and and discuss with them the idea i would just want to get a teachers union representative on and ask that person do you believe Whatever's good for the teacher's union is necessarily good for the student. 
And they will say, yes, of course. And then we'll all know it's a fraud. The teacher's union job is to get the best they can for the teachers, first, second, and third. The teacher's union have no responsibility to educate children. They have a responsibility to get the best deal for the teacher. And most good teachers would like to go to a meritocracy, but you can't. Good teachers would love to get rid of bad teachers just as much as any of us. They're the first ones who want to, but you can't in this system. But we do have 5,000 people and $73 billion working on this problem every single day. It's still not going to help with the traffic. Doug Turnbull. Yes, sir. That, that's uh, certainly a meritocracy on the roads. We had to rank the interstates. There'd be a few that get fired up. All right. Jared Yamamoto, I could go on and on about these departments. You're fired up. I have, uh, you know, because let's just get rid of them. Why isn't anybody talking about getting rid of the Department of Education? If the Department of Education, take your favorite team. Your favorite football team is the Falcons, I take it. That's right. Many people listening, their favorite football team is the Bulldogs. Okay? If the Department of Education had been the coach of your favorite team since 1979, and it had the same track record that the Department of Education has, you wouldn't have any problem at all saying, get rid of that! (laughs) Get something new. You know, there are people who fire coaches because they only get to the playoffs every year. But we have these departments that suck money, and you hear people talking about uh, tweaking at the edges of things. Well, if we could just get a hold of waste, fraud, and corruption. I just found you $73 billion that you're wasting every year on 5,000 people who are making your education system worse and worse and worse. Think of it as, it, as, as the education system as your favorite team, and you would fire the Department of Education immediately. It's, it is interesting that our standards for our favorite football teams is much higher <laughs> than our standard for the Department of Education. Yeah, it's got to be the catchy. It's a catchy mission statement, I'm telling you, Eric. That's what, that's what it that's is. That's what it is with their job. And HUD, another one since 1965. What's their mission statement? Very quickly. Oh, where did I put it? Right here. Oh, oh here yeah. it is. The, uh, the, the Department of... Uh, of the Department of Housing and Urban Development is to create strong, sustainable, and inclusive communities and quality, affordable homes for all. And since 1965, the inner cities have only gotten better and better and better since HUD came around, right? Again, think of HUD as the coach of your favorite team, and you'd have no problem getting rid of it and saving that money now. Apply the same standards to education and housing and anything else. All right, we are going to get to Man of the Year when we get back. Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler sitting in for Eric Erickson, joined by my producer, Jared Yamamoto. I know I keep saying I'm going to talk about Man of the Year, Times Man of the Year, but I think it's still the Excedrin High. It's got me flying. And I can't get off these useless departments, these federal departments, $73 billion dollars, for the Department of Education with 5,000 people does absolutely nothing. And I want the new president to send people there to kill these things. Now, in the break, Jared, I ask you to round up for me all the departments, federal cabinet-level federal departments that are out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say I'm going to estimate that if we throw $100 billion apiece at them, it'll come out in the wash as to what this is costing us. So how many are there? There are 15 major departments. And that's not including the vice president. That's, a, we need, that's different. That's not really a department, but that's a cabinet-level thing. Okay, so 1,500, 15, 15, 
We're going to go a hundred billion apiece. So we're basically starting at about fifteen hundred billion dollars for these things. Now name them off for me. I'll tell you which ones I'll keep. Which ones I want to go. Department of State. Need it. Department of the Treasury. Got to have it. Department of Defense. Absolutely. Department of Justice. Yes. Department of the Interior. No. Gone. Gone. There's one gone. Department of Agriculture. Uh, Yeah, okay. Department of Commerce. Got to have it. Department of Labor. Get rid of it. Department of Health and Human Services. Get rid of it. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Get rid of it. Department of Transportation. Get rid of it. Department of Energy. Get rid of it. Department of Education. Get rid of it. Department of Veteran Affairs. Mm-hmm. All right, got to keep it. But, you know, I'm betting it sounds better than it really is. But I'm not, okay, we'll keep it. And finally, Department of Homeland Security. Get rid of it. So right there, eight I've gotten rid of. I've just saved you. One man has saved you at least $800 billion and probably more. We're probably talking about a trillion dollars that I have saved you if you listen to me. And you know what? You wouldn't notice a difference. The Department of Labor. What the hell does the Department of Labor... You know what labor is? You get an education, you go out there, and you find yourself a job. Department of Labor, okay, done. We can close that. (laughs) Department of Labor, and if you don't have the skills that you need for the job that you want, you educate yourself, maybe we'll give you a couple. You know, think about all the welfare in this country, okay? Uh, People, look, my father left when I was 12 years old. There was about a six-month area there. My mom had worked for a couple years. We were helped out. That's fine. Uh, A safety net, right? Uh... Why do we need so many people to give out welfare? Have you ever thought about this? You have a credit card, right? We have credit cards. MasterCard, Visa. They have gazillions of customers. And they know how much money you have. They know how much money is allocated to your card. If you're going to have a welfare system, as we do, a safety net, why not just give people cards? And there's like one guy in Washington, D.C. just flips a switch. Okay, there's $1,000 for you. There's $1,000 for you. There's a thousand. Why do we need an apartment with eight million people and pensions and bureaucrats? You want to help poor people? It's 2016. Give them a card. Let the let the let the uh, digital people let the let the machine do it. All right. That music tells me that we're inching ever closer to actually covering the man of the year. I promise. <laughs> Welcome back. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. Eric will be back tomorrow. That is Erickson. Given I can't just say Eric because I'm Eric. Right. I'm Eric here today, and Eric, that you're used to being here, will be back tomorrow. So, okay, I, I could go on and on still. I'm still running on my Excedrin high. I could stay with the useless departments forever, but I promised that I would get to Man of the Year, and I didn't realize I got that wrong. It's Tell me who the Time Magazine's person, the person, then a man who's person of the year. Well, many people are upset with this person of the year because they're upset that Donald Trump was selected as Time Magazine's person of the year. So there's a lot of uh, liberal backlash out there. Really? The best way to call it. Are you kidding me? Liberal backlash? No matter what this guy does, he hasn't even taken office. I can't believe what you're saying. This is actual news. First of all, person of the year. Man, by the way, now it was a more misogynist time, certainly, 1930s, man of the year, whatever. But man is part of human and covered everybody. It was understood 
that man covered. But when they say for all mankind, do you think they're leaving the women out? Or are they just the men? So man used to mean everybody, human, everybody. But now we have to have the person of the year. And the person of the year obviously is Donald Trump. Should have been Donald Trump last year. As people may or may not know, I'm an old-fashioned libertarian. I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary. I voted for the goofy guy. I voted for the goofy guy (laughs) who had a clown nose and ran around like wavy gravy for a few months. I voted for him. Not for him, but I just voted for libertarians in general. So, but it is hilarious to me. I'm reading this Time article. Have you read it? Yeah, I did. First of the year, uh, uh, Donald Trump. It's hilarious whenever the media, and there's been a lot of this lately, tries to explain to itself and to us why Trump won. Because they still don't get it. And that's what most of this article is trying to do. I'm, I'm going to go to you in just a second. But the article starts out with uh, a description of Trump's penthouse. And uh, his penthouse 600 feet in the sky, where it's hard to make out the regular people below. People are like dots below. It's a princely pad. Inside, staff members wear cloth slipcovers on their shoes so as not to scuff the shiny marble or stain the plush cream carpets. And the whole opening is, what a crazy thing that this guy who lives in the lap of luxury turned out to be the spokesperson for the common man. Let me ask a question. When's the last time you saw a story like that in Time Magazine about the Kennedys? Anyone? When's the last time you saw the Kennedys, a story start out about any of the Kennedys that started with how ironic it is that they live in the lap of luxury, and yet they're known to speak for the common man? So that's number one. And then through most of it, like I said, it's that hilarious thing where the media tries to explain to itself and to us how this guy won. And we'll get into more of that after traffic. Doug Turnbull. Sorry about that. I was looking at some new trouble there, Eric. I'm coming off guard. All right. And first of all, to go back to this Time Magazine thing, people are upset that uh, the liberals are upset that Time Magazine made Trump the person of the year. So now it's time. you got to slow down and... Teach the Moranials, bring them along slowly. Person of the year used to be called Man of the Year. Is it doesn't mean you're the best person. First of all, and I'm not saying that Donald Trump isn't. I'm just trying to explain to people the criteria. The criterion, I should say, basically is the person that changed the dialogue in the country the most. Or the world. That's why Adolf Hitler was named Man of the Year, I believe, twice in the 1930s. Not because they loved him. Uh, I believe the Ayatollah Khomeini was named Man of the Year. back well, the, Not th- because they loved him, but because we were talking about him and he was changing things more than anyone else. So that would be just thrown away. It doesn't mean the greatest person, the, the grooviest dude alive. That's not what it means. It means the most substantial human being that had the most effect. I don't care if you love him or hate him. You cannot argue that Donald Trump was that person this year. But I think that outrage is being proven, though, by just the fact that people are reading headlines. They're not actually reading oh, the well, piece. The piece is, I mean, pretty touchy well, in some the, parts the, about the him. Touchy? I, I heard you say it was backhanded. It was a, it was a full frontal assault. Right. I, what was the, the part that you read? I was looking for the part that you read to me just a moment ago. I couldn't so find it. This is under the category Trump's America for better and worse. And, and let's it, go back to what I'm saying here. It's always hilarious to, to 
read when the media or on television when they try to explain why Donald Trump won, because they cannot understand it. So this is what they default to. Here's the quote. For reminding America that demagoguery feeds on despair and that truth is only as powerful as the trust in those who speak it, for empowering a hidden electorate by mainstreaming its furies and live-streaming its fears and for framing tomorrow's political culture by demolishing yesterday's Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump is Time's 2016 person and of the Time year. And Time Magazine can't understand why nobody reads Time Magazine anymore. You, have you seen the magazine lately? Have you been to like a dentist or any kind of doctor? That's the only place <laughs> they exist. A doctor's office. Have you seen these things? They, they weigh... You can't, if you put them on a scale, it still wouldn't weigh an ounce. They used to, when I was growing up, Time Magazine was thick. It was full of advertising. Everybody read Time Magazine, or at least they said they read Time Magazine. Now, it's a pamphlet, basically. And there's a reason for that. Because people don't relate to Time Magazine, and Time Magazine doesn't relate to people. And if they can't relate to you, then they just call you racist. Or, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, all of this stuff about fake news. I know we were going to go into this a little bit. So uh, we'll start this right now. This, uh, the, like the Pizzagate thing. What, this guy uh, walked in with a rifle at this pizza shop because of fake news. Do you have the fake news sounder in there for me? Let's hit that. Fake news. Fake news. You want to know what's fake news? All this hype about fake news. <laughs> There's the biggest fake story going right now, that we're all being changed by fake news. Oh, yeah, in 2012 when Obama won, apparently there was no fake news on the Internet. Can you believe this? What happened this time around? This guy won. Now, so they're going to blame it on fake news. We'll talk more about that and other things when we return. Welcome back to that light piano music. I love it. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. Fake news. That's right. We're talking <laughs> fake news. Jared Yamamoto is here with me. So we were just talking about how hilarious it is if you watch, the, if you read the Person of the Year timepiece. It's one more example of the press trying to explain to itself and to us how Donald Trump won. And they just show again and again they have no idea. They have no connection to the Midwest. They have no connection to these people in the Rust Belt, who, by the way, voted for Obama twice. So for racists, they're a pretty interesting breed of racists who vote for the first black president and then vote for Donald Trump. Uh, that aside, another part of this is this, this hysteria about fake news. Uh, first of all, I shouldn't have to tell you this. Be skeptical of all news. Be skeptical of everything you read, of everything you hear. You want to know fake news to me? How about all those polls back in uh, uh, late October that told us there was no way Donald Trump could win the presidency? They never include that in their fake news. And then we get this thing like Pizzagate. Okay, so what's Pizzagate? What happened there? This Comet Ping Pong place. Right, and so uh, on Sunday, a man walked into a pizzeria that had been used in the hashtag Pizzagate that had been going around where he went in there with an assault rifle and fired Because he thought, now shots. people, there's, this is fake news. What is that? Fake news. Fake news. This idea that somehow these morons believe that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of a pizza shop. 
Okay, so then this guy goes in with a, with, with a gun, a rifle. He shoots off one round, but doesn't hit anybody, right? Correct. Basically, he says, well, I came up here to see if there was any children I could rescue, and once I realized there were none in here, then I was ready to leave. Okay. Drove all the way from North Carolina to Washington, D.C. So now it's like, now fake news is killing us. Uh, the Washington Post, love this headlight, h- headline, Pizzagate, from rumor to hashtag to gunfire in D.C. Now, if this guy would have walked in and shouted Allah Akbar before he shot, the first thing Washington Post would want me to know is, don't put the two together. Just because he yelled Allah Akbar, that doesn't mean that his Islamist faith has anything to do. Don't put the two together. But because they've been ginning it. You know in the NFL when somebody makes a good play and they start that eating motion around there? That, that's what, you hate that. I don't know I, why. Well, that's what the press is doing with the fake news. <laughs> Woo! And they're ginning it up. So, of course, this fake news that we've been telling you for the last two weeks uh, got this guy elected and it's the worst thing in the world. Look, already there's gunfire. But if he yelled Allah Akbar, whoa, hold on. It's not necessarily Islamic. Let's not jump to conclusions. Come on. This is an idiot. This is a guy who could have been triggered by several things. And he was triggered by this. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. You couldn't have gun to my head. I wouldn't have voted for her. It doesn't take much to understand She's probably not running a child sex ring out of a pizza shop. Well, it was her campaign manager, John Podesta, that was running it there because he's, he had a he had a bracelet on that suggested that it said uh, that he was a homophobe. Wait a minute! You say he was wearing a bracelet? Yes. Well, this is new information, Jared Yamamoto. <laughs> I suppose it's a possibility. Everything's changed from here. You know what? I think it's a conspiracy. But I have a man named Yamamoto on this show on the 75th anniversary. Says the I German. Can't... Says the German over across from All me. right. You hear that music. We have to take a break. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> and we're back. Eric Von Hessler filling in for Eric Erickson. We do a show every Sunday at noon called the Von Hessler Doctrine. Lots of people there. I don't. I just bring my producer, Jared Yamamoto, when I fill in for Eric. Jared? What's up, man? You know what's up. You've been around me all day. Don't give me that fake radio nonsense. What's up again? Uh, so, well, let's see what's up with this guy here. If my audio will ever actually play. Eric, please look up the definition to cronyism. You don't know what you're talking about. How dare he? Who let this man through the gates? Who called off the dogs? Obviously, he's talking about, I was saying, that uh, the Donald Trump deal with the Carrier Corporation. That was on Monday, yeah. On Monday, when I filled in, is an example of crony capitalism. Now, he's saying cronyism. So I pulled up the definition. Now, if you stay on cronyism, the appointment of friends and associates to positions of authority without proper regard to their qualifications, the gentleman, a term I use loosely, would be correct. But I was talking about crony capitalism, a little bit different. It's a term that describes an economy in which success in business depends on close relationships between business people and government officials. And all I was pointing out, I'm glad those 800 or 1,000 or 1,200, every story I read, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people kept their jobs. I'm glad for them. But it is crony capitalism. 
And here's why. Let me repeat myself. That's what good radio hosts do. They repeat themselves. The reason it's crony capitalism is because the economics on the ground haven't changed. Carrier says they were going to save $63, $64 billion by, by moving this plant to Mexico. That didn't change. What changed was they had the opportunity to help the new president, the president-elect, get a public relations win. And guess what? That might be worth $63, $64 million or billion, whatever it was. I'm, now I'm saying billion. That seems like an awful lot. But I think it's million. Million, okay. 60, that could be worth 63 Not a lot is worth $64 billion. That could be worth $63 million is to curry favor with the incoming president. And you can say, well, isn't it crony capitalism if the state of Georgia tells uh, Hollywood filmmakers that if they come here, they get tax breaks? Here's the difference. Hollywood filmmakers, all of them that compete with each other, all get the same tax breaks. This president stepped in and made a deal with one corporation. They're not the only people that make the products they make. They have competition. Now, if you're their competition, you're the guys who didn't just curry favor with the incoming president. So I stand by what I said before. It's crony capitalism. I am glad that those people have a job. But let me, I can't repeat this one enough. No matter what you think about this, this is a fact. You know what a fact is, Jared? I do. Two plus two equals four. That's a fact. This is a two plus two equals four fact. That deal made by Trump and Pence with Carrier is politics, not economics. Now, you can chomp on that all day. Do you have another headline? First of all, perhaps we should go... Check on the traffic. You want to do that? Anybody? Do I get consensus? Let's do it. Doug Turnbull. Why not? Let's do that. When in doubt, check traffic. That's what we say. Anyway, 642 of the sky copter. Also, let's remember, Carrier was going to move that plant because they thought they could save $63 million, which makes, let's go back to the idea that the Department of Education is, has $73 billion <laughs> a year, and education just gets worse and worse. All right, give me a headline. All right, here's a good one, Eric. Uh, passengers at San Francisco International Airport will soon be greeted by a tutu-wearing therapy pig before their flights. Is this this is to help calm people down before they fly? Yeah. So this uh, this new pig will join the 300 cats, dogs, and rabbits who wear vests that are already at that airport. Yeah, bring more animals to the airport, me. please. Yeah, please, uh, please bring more animals. A therapy pig. First of all, it sounds like something a slur that you would throw at somebody. <laughs> Get away from me, you therapy pig. Well, if you don't want to pet the pig, then you can go pet. You can go pet the dog, or you can go hang out with the rabbits. Uh, and get stuff. away from me, you therapy dog. It still works. It doesn't matter. It doesn't sound good. You know what? Actually. I think is it called the Wag Brigade? Yes. I think actually there is actually some good that can come from the therapy pig at the airport because you stand back and you observe the people who are actually gathering around to seek comfort from the therapy pig, and then you know that these are the people that you never want to trust in a time of crisis. <laughs> You actually, <laughs> you actually learned something. These are people who cannot handle life. These are people who are not comfortable inside of their own skin. And therefore, if there's trouble on the plane, identify who was around the therapy pig and get them to the back of the plane first and out of the way. You don't want the guy who had to pet the therapy pig 
in charge, one of those rows where you have to actually get up and do some work. The emergency row. Yeah. The emergency row. I don't want that guy. If he's got to make the slide go out, I'm not comfortable. So the therapy pig maybe serves a purpose. Every once in a while, you have to be able to identify the weak <laughs> so that they don't get in your way in a time of crisis. So although I don't like the idea, first of all, why do? how does a pig make you feel comfortable? What is it about a pig? I don't like pigs. They're disgusting. Why would I want to be around a pig? Well, How does that make it's you sweet and nice? Oh. And again, you get to see cats and dogs and rabbits every you know, day. It's sweet and nice bacon. Well, of course. Covered in maple syrup. That's sweet and nice. Uh, I don't want to pet a pig. I don't want animals in the airport. Put them in a box and put them in th- into the other part of the plane. <laughs> People who travel with their pets annoy me. I was sitting next to somebody who had a little teeny little dog, and she had him shoved in a thing underneath the seat in front of us. And I thought it was disgusting. Why do I want an animal next to me? It didn't make me feel comfortable. I should have bought a therapy pig for all the anxiety that I was feeling from this stupid dog that was stowed in the... Ah, you hate flying as it is. I do hate flying. I don't need animals to make it any worse. All right. We have, what, one more segment? That's right. Come on back. Welcome back for our last segment. Eric Von Hessler in for Eric Erickson. Just before we went away there, we were learning about therapy pigs and how they'll help us when we're anxious, I suppose. I, I just can't in my mind. I, I'm not superhuman. I get anxious. Went through a period of my time of my life where I had some panic attacks, these sort of things. I'm you human. have said multiple times how much you cannot stand being on airplanes. I don't like being on airplanes, but I just deal with it. I've never allowed it to stop me from doing something that I have to do. I've never not gone for an interview or something along those lines. I just don't do it, Willie. I don't do it for fu- I don't like to fly. Maybe you need so to when pet I the plan vacations, pig. I don't plan flying. You need to pet it. the therapy pig. That's, that's next this time you get to the airport. I, in my mind, I cannot even envision this idea that I'm really nervous, and I'm really anxious, and I'm thinking, if only there were a pig that I could pet, (laughs) boy, that would really calm my nerves. Where does this even come from? And, you know, for a while, there was that whole craze where people, was it potbelly pigs that people had? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a pet. When you tell me that you and your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, that you guys just got a potbelly pig, what that really means is... Eric's not coming over to your house anymore because you obviously have a farm in your living room, and I'm not interested in that. Those sort of animals aren't those sort of animals. I don't know. What happened? Remember John Wayne? Does anybody does anybody remember what this country used to be before we had therapy pigs? From John Wayne to therapy pigs. That's where we've gone. All right, we're about out of time. No more ranting from me. Uh, we do a show called The Von Hessler Doctrine every Sunday at noon, from noon to 3. There are people saying it's the greatest radio show in the history of radio. I'm much too humble to say that, but I'm just passing it along to you. You might want to check it out for that reason. Uh, Thanks to Jared, Chris Chandler, to Buford. Hey, download that WSB Radio app. I'm all over it. Thanks to you for listening. Yes, Jared? Yeah, I was about to say, remember, you've got this brand new, fresh-looking Facebook page. Oh, yeah, the Von Hessler Doctrine. And you hate promoting yourself. Come on, now. The Von Hessler Doctrine. Facebook. Go get it. We do a lot of Facebook Lives off of there. And the new Twitter page. And the new Twitter page, which is at TVHDMedia1. Okay, this is getting boring. I'm trying to say goodbye, Jared. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Eric for allowing me to fill in. 7 o'clock news is up next. I'll talk to you all on Sunday. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.